Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, A24 gave us something not so rare, and yet another lecture on proper child care. But the gags they did not spare, so hold on to your chair. That's right, we're talking everything, everywhere, all at once. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. So, as we already mentioned, we are doing a small, little, almost unknown film that some people may or may not have heard of. I'm actually not being sarcastic when I say Usually I'm being sarcastic when I say things like that. I don't that. know. I mean, this is probably one of the more widely known A24 films. Uh, no, I, I would disagree. Midsummer is... Way more well known. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, this film's opening night was in ten theaters. Okay. It's 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 small. Anyways, everything, everywhere, all at once. If you haven't heard of it, you're going to hear a little bit about it. But before we jump into that discussion, we're going to give away maybe a little bit of what the story's about because we're going to talk about other multiverse stories. Yeah. So these are any kind of. Stories that are told that involve parallel worlds. If your doppelganger jumps out of a portal with a mustache and a goatee because he's evil, that qualifies. So, guys, what do we got? I, mm, I'm going to give it to Joel first. Sure. All right. Well, I'm bringing Jet Li's The One. And I hate him for it because it was going to be mine. <laughs> and I was going to mention it too, but here we are. All right. So, The One in this film, you have the idea that there's a bunch of parallel worlds, a bunch of parallel yous out there, and there's there's like a collective energy between all of the yous. And the more of the, the yous... Is it, is it the shape of the you or is it you, you Y-O-U? The singular person that is... The individual. The individual. Youths. <laughs> youths. <laughs> uh, but basically, the fewer of the youths that there are left... <laughs> Not youths. Youths. In, in, in the multiverse, the more of that pool of energy that each remaining one has. And so the idea is that if you could become... The only one of you left in the entire multiverse, you would essentially become immortal. You would have all of this power. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You would be the strongest you. And so the conflict comes in where one of the Jet Lees, who we will deem evil Jet Li, um, <laughs> gets in his, steals a machine that allows him to jump into other parallel worlds. Right. And so he starts going on a murder spree killing every single other one of him that he can find. He just goes to a world, kills him, goes to another world, kills him again. Mm -hmm. And until he comes down to, it's just evil Jet Li versus our protagonist, good Jet Li. And <laughs> both of them have been getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger over the course of the first act. And now they must fight. Right. With, with good Jet Li, not totally understanding why he's getting stronger. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 kind of one of those things where when you think about it it's funny of like you're just a normal guy and you're just like wow i can like lift a building now yeah. this is crazy <laughs> i keep getting older but i keep feeling better that is not how age works let me tell you and like <laughs> i want to say that there are other subplot elements that are woven into this film but they don't matter no like i already relevant. told you everything that matters yes <laughs> it's a good film it is actually uh quite a good film and i i really liked 
they did uh, basically Jet Li was doing two different martial arts styles because they don't put a goatee on him mm-hmm. so you can know who's evil. It's just the evil one's martial arts, so I don't know the styles in, at play, is very, very direct. Very, mm-hmm. It's very aggressive. It's very violent. Whereas good Jet Li is a much more of a circular motions where it's more of redirecting energy. So and it's, it's, it's Fire Nation versus Water Yes, Nation. it is very much yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> uh, it may actually even end up being that those were the same martial arts yeah. used for it. Uh, I just, the little tidbit I know, there's a scene where he punches a bunch of police officers mm-hmm. and they filmed it by hanging tennis balls from the ceiling and he was he would punch each tennis ball and they would superimpose. Yeah. And this was right around the time that digital was kind of creeping into film, mm-hmm. but like you were still recording things on film. Yeah. And they actually had to go back and reshoot that scene because he was the, too fast. He was too fast. Yeah. The the film running at 24 frames a second just didn't get enough of Jet Li for normal <laughs> people to be like, oh, he punched something there because he was just going from place to place so fast. Yeah. So him, terrifying. Uh, him and Donnie Yen yes. are just uh, super fast martial artists. Mm-hmm. Like it is, uh, if you've never seen any of the, uh, the Ip Man films. You um, should. One, you should, but yeah. then, then two, just some of the martial arts that Donnie Yen does in there uh, are just so like blazing fast. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's kind of unreal watching it. And Jet Li is very similar to that. Yeah, no. So it's different, a slightly different era of, of yeah. martial artists on film, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yes, definitely. Uh, Andrew, you want to take next? Okay, sure. Uh, so Not th- the film next, just <laughs> next go. Uh, so this is kind of, um, uh, this is like the Charlie Day, um, uh, you know, uh, crazy guy, like looking at the at the board, trying to explain okay. kind of stuff happening. So I chose um, Fate Stay Night, and I'm just going to go with Unlimited Blade Works because that's probably the most accessible for people to watch. Um, but there is a massive Fate Stay Night um, slash Ghost slash Cinematic Zero Universe slash or whatever it. you want to call it. Yeah, there's a massive, and all of it is all connected into its own specific multiverse. Mm-hmm. So with Fate Stay Night, you have magicians that can summon servants that are um, basically heroes of future or past mm-hmm. the like let's say like Lancelot or Gilgamesh or um, King Arthur King Arthur you know all these like very like iconic heroes throughout history Alexander the Great I think is another one yeah and one of those sets yeah uh, um, Hercules Hercules is yeah. another one yeah and they and basically they they are all kind of in a competition to become the last one last mage and servant standing um, to basically win the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And then whenever they win the Holy Grail, they get to make a wish essentially. And the way that um, most of the series go is you know you have a couple like main characters that kind of show up throughout like each series, um, and they're all relatively the same people but they're not mm-hmm. and um and basically the further you get on into all the different shows uh it kind of becomes apparent that they're all kind of like everything's kind of interconnected to to the point of um you know like this one's definitely from a different parallel universe that kind of thing mm-hmm. and but you, you you have to consume a lot of fate stay night <laughs> for for this to happen but if you just watch uh, Unlimited Blayworks, which I think is still on Netflix. It, uh, it was at least like a year or two ago. Yeah, it's a um, 26-episode series, um, really solid action anime um, that is relatively unobjective. It's just um, it's just a good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty pretty high level of animation yeah, throughout the series. It's UFO table, so um, if, you, if you're familiar with uh, Demon Slayer, which is one of the other big um, 
you know, shonen anime that's kind of in in popular um, Culture. things, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the same company that did it. Mm. Um, but yeah, like it's, I don't want to go into too deep because it's, I mean, like it's it is a um, a rabbit hole that will never end. Yeah, uh, like there yeah. are there are, there are YouTube videos that kind of have to do a light explanation of how Fate Stay Night universe works, and it's like two hours long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it it there's a, the rabbit hole is really deep. Yeah, but Unlimited Blade Works is a good it's point a good entry point, and um, uh, Fate Stay Night uh, Go is like their their mobile game or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or Fate Grand Order is another one. You have Fate Zero, which is also really good, and there's just so many. Yeah, Zero is yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. That was my starting point with it. Yeah. Oh, with Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Unlimited Blade Works was my start. I mean, it's it, I like Unlimited Blade Works the most just because like you have all the the classic characters like you have King Arthur, Hercules, um, Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh. Yeah. Like yeah, you get like all like the really big names where some of the other ones don't. You know, there's like some other like second tier heroes. Who that is show it? Up. I just totally blanked. Lancer is um oh oh I had it in my head a lot. It's an Irish or Celtic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I will look. Yeah, Andrew's gonna get it here in a second. In the meantime, I will entertain by filling dead air and jumping into my slightly controversial choice. Controversial for reasons. We'll get into it. Uh, so it is not the film, but the book series. Uh, His Dark Material. So this is by Philip Pullman. Uh, in North America, you would know it as the Golden Compass, although apparently elsewhere in the world, it was released as Northern Lights, uh, also the Subtle Knife and the Amber Spyglass. Uh, so this basically follows two children. So this is kind of YA, although it wasn't actually written with a real target audience. And it goes into a lot of philosophical and theological ideas. Uh but it follows two children, one from a slightly different earth where everyone is essentially born with a familiar. So this is a creature that exists outside of them and is essentially their soul and mm-hmm. it describes their personality. So over time, as you are a child, it is able to change from being a bird to a fish to a badger to whatever else. And over time, as you develop and become a person, it settles into one shape and stops changing. Mm. And that kind of is an indicator or a dictator of your personality in a way. Uh, so for her, this is the word, like touching someone's familiar would be very taboo because mm-hmm. it's essentially like touching someone in the most private way possible. The world crosses over with what is actually our world as well, where we have one of the other characters come in who is just a normal average everyday boy <laughs> off on an adventure and yeah, kind of, you know, religious-esque hijinks ensue, which is where a lot of the controversy, controversy came from. There are a lot of people who are very – this was – Harry Potter was a little controversial in a way because it has magic. This was way more controversial with people than Harry Potter would ever probably be. <laughs> well, so I remember um, – uh, I I think I remember reading one of the books when I was younger. Yeah. But then I remember just seeing the – like it's like a polar bear – Armored bear? Yeah. The armored bear? Yeah, armored yeah. bear, yeah. Yeah. It just looks like a polar bear to me. It's a polar bear with armor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was correct. Congratulations. You're both right. <laughs> yes. I, I've totally blanked on that character's name. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not for everyone, and you do have to kind of approach it with the idea of, you know, it, it's very big about the church, and it doesn't specify a church. It's just the church, and it's from an alternate universe, and they're very – they're not great people and they're doing 
kind of not great things. And you have to kind of separate that from or maybe not separate that from commentary on current every day. Yeah. So <laughs> anyways, Andrew, what you got? Uh, OK, so his name and I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Ku Chulane. Oh, is it Kukulain? Maybe Kukulain. Maybe I'm not sure. I um, should know this, but I'm a terrible. Uh, but yeah, person. he is. Um, uh, he's a hero from the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology. Yeah, he is a demigod, the offspring of a mortal woman, Dictor, and the deity Lug. Sure. <laughs> anyway, I just I just liked it because when while watching the show, I'd gone back and looked up who these people would be, mm-hmm. who they're supposed to be. Because I mean, some of them are really obvious. Yeah. But his, I was like, I'm not sure who this is. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's like a Irish folklore. That's kind of that's a neat ad. It's always interesting to me when you know we're changing gears here. But whenever you go to like these anime, and a lot of them will reach for I wouldn't call it obscure, but at least mythology that I wouldn't know. And I can't use the excuse of, oh, well, it's just a Japanese mythology when they're like pulling, you know, Western Europe and mm-hmm. I just don't know it. So, yeah, there's um, one of my favorite, I'll say, uh, tropes, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. for a lot of anime is them pulling from uh, historical characters that aren't Japanese mythology or Japanese history. Right. Because then you get to um, you get introduced to some of this history in a different way than what you would normally consume it as. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, most of the time it's just for entertainment purposes or or just salad dressing, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term. Uh, but, you know, every once in a while, like, um, you can see the producers of the show or whatever, you know, throw in little like, you know, hints of of more of their past and everything that is kind of fun to kind of learn about, especially if you are familiar with it, like uh, say like military um, based things like battleships and that kind of stuff. Did you just pitch the transforming battleship girls show on this? They don't transform. <laughs> they just are. OK, they whatever. Just are. I don't. <laughs> Moving forward, <laughs> back to the actual subject of this episode because we're not covering whatever Andrew was just branching us into. It's Conti Collection. Just no, just stop, stop. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. Joel, summarize. Oh, summarize. Oh, good luck. So, all right. So this this is a multiverse film, as we have already alluded to. Yes. And we start out with our main character, Evelyn, who mm-hmm. is a middle-aged Chinese immigrant woman living in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And she, along with her husband, run a laundromat. And they're being audited. And so there's all this pressure. Her father is visiting uh, at mm-hmm. the time. And, and she has a lot of pressure surrounding that. So like she is just this very distracted, uh, tense time in her life individual who ultimately doesn't feel like she has accomplished anything with her life. Right. And so all of this is going on and you get a very clear sort of slice of life sort of uh, beginning where you're just kind of getting introduced to the characters and the mm-hmm. relationships and the, she has a the daughter environment. And, yeah. All yeah. of this is going on. And then bam, out of left field, um, an alternate reality version of her husband takes over her husband's brain and starts feeding her instructions because there's an all powerful something out in the multiverse that is hunting her down, trying to kill her. And she's the only one that can save the entire T of existence and really weird hijinks ensue. 
Alrighty. Well, so we have a multiverse and a little slice of life familial relationship. It seems to be a going trend it with is what we've been reviewing such lately. Such a yeah. trend of it's not even that we've been. It's not like we reached back and grabbed one of these from no, ten years ago. Exist. These are three recent releases, just boom, bam, boom. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking specifically about Encanto, Turning Red, and this one. Yes. yes. So, what did we think of our third installment <laughs> in? Well, pretty highly. So we split out our scores into two separate buckets. We've got our technical review score, which is made up across our four pillars of review, those being uh, spectacle, performance, score, and plot. Uh, And then we also have an entertainment score, and we keep that separate because something can be bad, but entertaining. Entertaining, right. So in this case, our technical score is an 8.9 out of 10. So really quite high. Yeah. Um, And that's really impressive given the fact that this is a relatively low budget film. Very, very low, but 25 million. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was just the, the, the artistry that was put into this. You could really tell, particularly in. There's a lot of passion. Like the, the special effects, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of these special effects, when you look at them, they're not the kind of effects that you're used to seeing. Um, they're, they're really low cost options compared to like grand sweeping CGI or anything or, like or that. Or just a Marvel film. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they're executed flawless, flawlessly, right? Flawless. Flawless. There's, <laughs> there's flaws all up in here. No, they're, they are, they are immaculately executed mm-hmm. even though they are cheap solutions. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and so it gives the film a very different sort of texture. Yeah, and the um, the visual effects in the film was all done by five total people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not have this massive, you know, uh, studio behind them to where they could, you know, outsource all their things to India or whatever to just yeah, six, do six different production groups doing yeah. special effects, et cetera. Yeah, and and I don't, I'm not entirely sure if th- it also count the that that number five counted the two directors. <laughs> either right Uh, because i know that they were um they went through and like did help help pull a lot of the footage and do a lot of the effects themselves just because it is very low budget Mm -hmm. so so just for reference uh this is the highest scoring on the technical side because we don't actually track entertainment which is something we need to rectify when we can uh because they didn't exist back then yep of the three that we referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. So Encanto, Turning Red, and this is the highest scoring. Th- th- that definitely tracks. Yeah. Speaking of entertainment, um, the entertainment value that this one garnered from us was a 9.7 out of 10. And now that is, as you alluded to, already separated from the technical. And right. It's just the average of the three of us. So and, and looking one, at, one of us did not enjoy it as much as the other two. Right. So the way that the numbers <laughs> break down is that we just have a single metric, 1 to 10, of how much did you enjoy this. And there are three of us. So that's out of 30 and then normalized back down to 10. So divided by three. Yeah. So 9.7 multiplied by three split out into three scores is a 10, a 10, and a nine. Yep. So <laughs> one of us enjoyed it slightly less. Slightly less. 10% less. But it this was was one point out of 30 away from being the maximum possible enjoyment. So we absolutely loved this film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, abs- I don't think I've laughed that hard in a film in at least a decade mm-hmm. like i i definitely walked out of that out of the theater wanting to just turn right back around and get back <laughs> in line 
One, because there's just so much to take in. Right. It, there is a lot in this film. Yes. Um, a lot of a lot of really good things, um, a lot of really funny lines, and a lot of emotional mm-hmm. uh, payoff towards so the like, end. Like we, we already alluded to the fact that this is kind of a story that on the, you know, the emotional drama side of it is similar to Encanto and Turning Red, where you mm-hmm. have this multi-generational family conflict that over the course of the story gets, you know, worked on and resolved and all that kind of stuff. Right. And um, this one... I would say pulled that off, in my opinion, not quite as well as Encanto, but very, very close. Okay. From from the familial drama perspective, I can see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, and I, I'm going to say this, I want to preface this. Uh, first, by asking y'all a question, have either of you seen any other film from A24, the, the studio yeah. behind this? Mm-hmm. You have? Yeah. What film? I'm curious. Uh, Prove it. I, prove it. <laughs> I, let me look up. A, okay. So I have seen one film from them, mm-hmm. uh, The Green Knight, which is, you know, Arthurian legend style, very, very art house. So I had some idea of that this is probably going to have some of those elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a general rule, a lot of their movies don't hit well with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Midsummer is probably the most known name that they've produced. Uh, and that I, I have no interest. It's kind of a horror thing. They also had this. I think it's just called Lamb, but it's also kind of like a horror film about yeah. adopting a lamb and treating it like a human, treating it like a human, yeah. and how the animals react to it and stuff. And I was like, nope, don't want that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a lot of people out there who hold because this is kind of a, a studio that's just maybe just above indie in terms of production levels, but they're mm-hmm. still very much so in, an art house indie film group. Uh, so there's a lot of people who hold them in very high regards. I'm not one of those people. And yeah, this this is blew me away. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely has those moments that are you're like, oh yeah, no, this is this is an indie film, all right. There are they're doing some weird stuff right here. And like to harp on the weird, right? Because yeah. uh, you know, this is this is a multiverse film and it it ascribes to the you know the infinity that you can achieve with multiverse ideas right? right there's you can keep moving further and further away from the reality that you are familiar with until you reach something that is completely unrecognizable as if you want to find a thing just keep going if you have infinite time eventually you'll find a reality where that was what happened mm-hmm. right and so with that being the setting there's no reason things can't be weird and they embrace that in a big way. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> leaned into it hard. Yeah. Uh, I lied. I've seen indie films. I've not seen anything from A24. Nailed it. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty confident that I was probably the only person yeah. and it was mostly just because Lauren you know, has her master's in English and so she's very interested in the Green Knight. seeing The Green Knight on film and it was very art house. They altered some of the story. She was very upset and for me, <laughs> Uh, they didn't totally grasp the concept of what a filming a dark room is like and that you still need to be able to see objects within the room. So, yeah, yeah. it didn't leave a great impression. Um, uh, so one thing to say, too, uh, that I thought was really cool, uh, one of the directors, so it's uh, done by a pair of directors, just Daniel's film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Uh, Daniel Scheinert is actually a Birmingham, uh, Alabama native. Um, I... I was in the same middle school as him. I can't um, 
claim any fame that I that I know him and talk to him <laughs> now um, because the last time I talked to him was probably in eighth grade. But um, but we did go to the same school and it's just kind of cool mm-hmm. um, that he, that he was there. So it's always fun seeing um, you know especially talent from Alabama like yeah be you know actually you know get their time in the in the limelight. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, you 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 pitched this initially as oh yeah I went to school with the guy who's directing this indie film and I was like oh cool who a twenty four like. Don't know if I can. Well, has Michelle <laughs> Yeoh's. Okay, okay, you reeled me back in a little. Well, he yeah. did a uh, Swiss Army Man with um, uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, which is also pretty weird. It's pretty. They weird. embrace the weird. Uh, yeah. But in um, the Daniels, uh, they did the uh, Turn Down for What music video. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're you, you probably haven't <laughs> seen that, Joel. Um, but it is a ridiculous. Uh, just imagine this film just kind of condensed way, as, way, as, way, a, way. as yeah. a music video. Yeah. Well, you know, there is the theory, right, that directors only create one film. It's just each film you see by them is kind of a a further distillation of that film, like achieving that yeah. closer and closer. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's the 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 movie itself was. Absolutely fantastic. It's uh, it absolutely so so caveat for everyone out there. It absolutely earned its R rating yes. so much so that they actually have to blur something out to preserve it as only an R rating. So yeah. <laughs> viewer discretion, just just go ahead and be warned. If you're not comfortable with, you know, maybe some I, I don't want to say I don't know how do I how do I say it? Uh I guess off-putting, maybe a little raunchier humor, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, there's, it's, there's, they don't overindulge. It's like maybe ten minutes, but they definitely, definitely, when they have the option, they lean into it. Yes. right. Yeah. So, so that is a caveat for anyone out there who might be, I don't know, they just little, not, not for kids. No, absolutely, it, it's, not. it is an, <laughs> it is an R-rated film that earned its rating. This is not one of those, but, oh, sure, it's R rating because they, they shoot guns at each other. But, but, but it, it is noted that the, the R rating is not for any sort of gore or over-the-top right. violence. All of the violence is very stylized. It It is got, it, a, lot very of kung, got a lot of kung fu everywhere, so it's actually really pretty. It's really, really enjoyable no, the, to watch. The cinematography and also the fight choreography mm-hmm. are really good, especially for low-budget indie. They... they Basically, they chose the things they're going to emphasize and Mm -hmm. you ended up with kind of a smaller cast and then found a way to really make use of that cast and then uh, showcase them over and over and over again, right? Yeah. Yeah, Well, and the the thing that's really cool – so this is one of Michelle Yeoh's like like main – like one of her first full billing um, American films Mm -hmm. because most of the time whenever she's in an American film, she's – She's not always the main character, right? Uh, she's she's like always, the the aunt in Shang Chi. Um, yeah, and then she's um, she's the mother in Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's um, in Tomorrow Never Dies. She was you know second to Pierce Brosnan. You know, right, it, right. It's always been kind of uh, an ongoing theme, and this is one of her first ones that she's had here in the U.S. That is actually her, her. Mm-hmm. as the main character, and she does such a wonderful job. Um, at, uh, I mean, just, you get to see a full range. Oh yeah. For because, her. yeah. And that's, that's one of the big things in here is that we are, we are explicitly dealing with a bunch of different versions of the same characters mm-hmm. in different scenes. And so each of these actors 
has to portray completely distinct versions of themselves while at the same time at the core of it still being the same person. And, and looking. I mean they look the same. Yeah. The end of the day, they don't like land you with a bunch of prosthetics or something and, because they couldn't afford yeah. it. And every single time the actors nail it 100%. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, something also to note too, um, normally you don't go over like, you know, actors and actresses' names, but uh, I'm going to totally butcher this. Uh, Kei Huquan, mm-hmm. um, he is the actor who played uh, Short Round in Temple of Doom mm-hmm. and uh, Data in Goonies. And yes. that is the last time that he has been in a film until this film. So almost near 40 years. And in this yeah. film, and in this film, he plays opposite the lead as, as uh, yes. her husband. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's yeah. basically second billing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Character. And, and he's, um, Wayman is, uh, just an absolutely hilarious addition to this film mm-hmm. that, uh, like if it was anyone else, like I'll say like, even like Jackie Chan for lack of a better thought, like I don't I, think Jackie Chan no, can hold that. Off. I don't know. It was just such, cause he has, what's, he What's, just, I'm sorry. No, Quan just has just such a funny. He's so charming. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so disarmingly charming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan would have gone for as weird as this film is, he would have gone over the top yeah. of it. Whereas I think uh, Quan, Quan is a much more believable person yeah. throughout, especially as the various uh, roles of mm-hmm. Wayman, if you will. Uh, no, it, the performance throughout this was. So good. Yeah. Which, again, we talked about this with Princess Bride. If you don't have a lot of budget for the set pieces, the the actors better come through. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and they did with this. Yeah, absolutely. So as we prepare to jump to the intermission, if you don't feel like you're prepared to tangle with spoilers, then it's time to run and do your taxes. Spoilersintendedpodcast.com can't help you with an audit. But we do have great content for all your media review needs. But if you think your other selves will know enough to ward off the all-consuming emptiness of the bagel, then swap your shoes, bite down on that chapstick, and grab my hair. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed a quick intermission. If you didn't get the message, it is all spoilers all the time. Every universe that this podcast is produced in is spoilers from here on out. <laughs> if you don't want that, you need to turn it off right now. But if you don't want to turn it off and you want to hear, well, let's get weird because we're going straight into spectacle. Yep. Andrew started this off. Okay. Uh, so spectacle is – the the visual effects, the way the cinematography is done, how the movie feels when you're watching Stuff it. that makes you say, wow. Yeah. And this movie made me say, wow, a whole lot. And not always. Sometimes you were uh, the, the Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, okay. So I gave Spectacle 10. Okay. Uh, yeah. I thought that the – I mean like this is so impressive – for five people mm-hmm. to to do not, I mean, and I don't know if that number is including the Daniels or not, um, but this is a very low budget, twenty five million dollar mm-hmm. film, and probably a lot of that went to go paying the actors because mm-hmm. we have Jamie Lee Curtis in here, we have uh, Michelle Yeoh, James Hong, yeah, I mean, just so many big names, and there's only a couple of them, but they're still big names, mm-hmm. right? So whenever you look at kind of what they achieved, especially with 
basically all practical effects uh, in the long run, especially um, some of the sequences whenever she is being pulled through all the different multiverses yeah. um, to, to go find, you know, the one that she needs that has like martial arts or whatever. And, you know, she's being pulled backwards through this. And uh, I watched a, a, a breakdown of how they did this. And mm-hmm. it was literally just uh, one of the Daniel, uh, Daniel Kwan, just kind of walking through the streets of New York and just videotaping everything. And then they just sped up the footage mm-hmm. and then they just matched her um, just sitting on a chair, just kind of like waving her hands back and forth. And then they fix the footage that way. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's one of those things where like, it's a fantastic looking shot. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, this, you know, super, like they probably just had tons of found footage and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they just, he just went out and shot it for two hours yeah. and did this. Cause you know, that is the type of budget that these guys are working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, not even include like I'm, no, I'm going to let you guys go. You're going to let us have yeah. something. Joel, you want to go next? Sure. Uh, I was, I'm going to say slightly less impressed. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Okay. Uh, That's still respectable. Still very respectable. Yeah. And respectable. Respectable. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Uh, and, and like, I'm going to say that for me, the weird kind of hurt it here a little bit, right? Because there was an awful lot of looking at the, oh, what did they do? As opposed to looking at the, oh, man, look at what they did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and in, in particular, the, the whole concept of the hot dog hands. <laughs> once, once they started secreting ketchup and mustard um, was, was just like, that's a practical effect that, that kind of took me out of the experience because it was so alien that it 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 instead of analyzing the story i'm analyzing the well why did they make this decision and what are the implications of this decision and how did they enact this decision and like all of that stuff while uh-huh. i'm watching which is not necessarily the experience that i want to have fair when i'm watching I mean, that's, that's fair. watching that's, a story that is totally acceptable but it, it's it that is probably one of those where like when they were writing the story one of them was like you know what would be funny if they just had hot dog hands. Now, okay, so on the flip side, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when the two main characters are just rocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? everything about and, the rocks. And, and the dialogue in that scene is all just text on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and no, no one, sound or anything. No sound. Like, like there's, 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 there's no music. music. Yeah, yeah, no music. And because the entire thing about that is that these two characters can at will travel to any reality they want. They experience them all without filter all the time. Mm-hmm. And if they concentrate their essence into this reality where life on Earth never existed and they're just rocks... In, so that happens somehow um, <laughs> that they're still them, but they're rocks and they, <laughs> uh, but if they concentrate their, their essence here for a brief moment, they can find peace. Right. right. And so that's reflected in the no noise, no sound of their voices for the dialogue, no music, just a little bit of gentle wind. And then we do have the dialogue is just in text. And so that one, that one struck me as a really fantastic scene that is really difficult to adapt to film. It's the kind of thing that you would see in a book any day of the week, right? right. Yeah. Because it's very conceptual. It's very cerebral. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I really loved that scene because it was a clever way to execute what is just something that is almost inherently incompatible with the medium. Yeah. Well, and it's and like what they're talking about too is very existential yeah. kind of kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you get the, um, 
you know, later on in a couple scenes later, you get them where they have the googly eyes mm-hmm. and he's, he's trying to chase the rock down the, um, uh, and these are, okay, so, and this is not the only inanimate objects that they become either. <laughs> like, they're a pair of pinatas for a little while. Yep, and yep. <laughs> Just getting the they're, they're, out they're, of them. They're 2D crayon sketches for one scene. Yep. yep like, they. there's a lot of really, like, like and, and these things cost nothing to do, right? Like, you just draw in crayon. You go out and you find some kid's birthday party and you have two pinatas right there. <laughs> I, just, I just filmed two rocks on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll type in some text in uh, Photoshop later. <laughs> yeah. So, like, all of that costs nothing to do. You know, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And they they, they it, it commands a fair percentage of the screen time. Yeah. And, it, and not in a bad way. Yeah. Like yeah it, was, it commands your attention. Yeah. Yeah. So, Stephen, what did you... Uh, okay, well, Andrew gave it a 10. Joel gave it an 8. You'll have your reasons. I wonder where we're going And that's that. fine, because I also gave it a 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my favorite scenes are the rocks. Mm-hmm. Bar none, I don't care. This is such a indie art house thing to do, where we have... I mean, the movie is action. There's stuff happening. There's these concepts of, you know, splitting, essentially splitting kind of your consciousness across multiple universes. Mm-hmm. And the way that's executed is great. And then all of a sudden, everything just stops because it's right at the point where. Very climactic. Uh, right. Evelyn is kind of reach achieving, I don't want to call it the nirvana, but the the point at which she's. The, the fullness of awareness. Right. Experiencing yeah. everything all at once, like achieving the mm-hmm. title, right? Everything everywhere all at That's once. That's the name of the movie. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> Without really referencing it, which points for them, uh, but she's at that point and it's very overwhelming. It's very chaotic and suddenly just whoop, dead silent stillness, two rocks on the edge of a cliff, a little breeze and just text. And not just from the storytelling perspective of what the characters need, but also the audience need, right? This yeah. sudden huge break from everything that's happening. And it's just take a deep breath, yep. sit still for a moment, enjoy the view, read a little text, have a relax, and then we'll get back to the wacky weirdness where we're going to beat up a security guard with two dildos because <laughs> that is also a thing that happens. <laughs> uh, which that was – Less of a problem for me than just the hot dog fingers are just – they're hard to look at. Uh, <laughs> just being honest. <laughs> Although props, right? We get the 2001 uh, reference with just beating the devil out of the the the, the normal fingered monkey with the hot dog fingers. Uh-huh. That yeah. he's got the hot dog fingers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, that was a cute little little ref. They just – you know, they, they went out to Party City and got them some, some gorilla some costumes. Too, yeah. This is low budget. They were already, they were already there that day to film the rocks on the cliff. They were set. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean besides that, the fight choreography really stood out. Mm-hmm. And also the fight cinematography, right? Mm-hmm. So as soon as we hit that first bit where uh, Wayman has the fanny pack yeah, and he whips it out and the camera is suddenly – your viewpoint is the fanny and pack. It, yeah, it's attached mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And he sweeps the leg with it and you you sweep the motion as the camera. I was like, oh, oh, we're, we're doing things in this movie because <laughs> it was – you know, it's just kind of a, it's kind of just a slice of life. With there was a little weirdness thrown in, but at that point, you know, you had the chapstick. You, you still don't really know well, what you're. Well, you don't really know what's going on. The cinematography was already impressive, just from the opening scene, right? Because you you have the 
you're focusing on a mirror, right? As the, right. the opening shot. And then you have like somebody slams the door or something in the mirror and kind of chunk and kind of, cause mm-hmm. it's like a rotating mirror mm-hmm. and then it, it like loses its perch on where it was. And so it kind of falls to where gravity would take it in it's rotating axis. And then that reveals two different things about the scene. And then you, you rotate and you're looking straight on at uh, Michelle Yeoh's character and, um, you know, Wayman comes in and there's another mirror behind her that perfectly frames his face. You can see both characters Mm -hmm. faces at the same time. So like, it's just very well blocked Uh, and shot mm -hmm. just from the get go. So small sadness. I didn't actually get to see that part. Oh my gosh. Because our theater that it was not the proper resolution. The the movie was not scaled to the size of the screen. And it was literally me, Lauren and one other person. So I was like, well, if anyone's going to fix this, it's it's going to be be me. me." Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually out telling them, Hey, yo, you've got this set to like, I don't know, two, three, and it needs to be three, four or something. It's just not meeting the edges. So in, in my theater, uh, they didn't turn off the lights until like, 10 minutes into the film. Oh, it's it's an indie film. No respect. No I know, respect. right? <laughs> like, and, it, and it's definitely one of those where like, you know, you sit there and you're just like, all right, are they going to turn them off? Do I need to wait? And then you wait like another two minutes and you're like, mm, I don't well, know about well, this. Well, I'm kind of committed and I'm yeah. in this experience. <laughs> yeah. I Talking about mirrors, but kind of the, the shatter effect that they do with Evelyn when she's oh, first yeah. experiencing yeah. crossing into a new uh, universe. I think that was really great. And, I don't think it was very expensive. You know, I think, again, mm-hmm. it was... Uh, that's practical, I'm pretty pra- sure. Pretty, yeah. pretty much practical or a very simple uh, superimposition where they yeah. took two two scenes, merged them yeah, on the center line, yeah. and then just put a shattered mirror over mm-hmm. it, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah. one of my favorite... Um, uh, and th- these are more just, just editing techniques, but the, the initial scene, whenever we see Joy um, uh, be- basically being tuned into by um, the oh. uh, Jabu... Tupaki. Oh, right. Where she just uh, shifts her head. Yeah, she shifts you, her you head and it's the, like a radio like, dial. Yeah. Chick, 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 uh-huh. And it's just the, the, the background click, click, click. shifts oh, to the man. different. Oh, it was so good. I was really sad but they that they moved again. away from that I and know. only used it the one time. Yeah, because like the second they did it, I was like, oh, oh, this is, I like this. Yeah. Oh, we got <laughs> bad things about to happen here. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool. And then um, I really, the, the fight um, with Deirdre, whenever... Um, uh, Evelyn's still kind of like getting used to to verse jumping and she gets kind of thrown into um, basically her and Wayman's uh, discussion in the RV um, about them getting divorced. Mm-hmm. And then um, she keeps getting pulled back uh, into the fight with Deirdre, like down the um, uh, down the stairs and everything. Uh-huh. And and then she, you know, she finally fix, figures out how to do it. And then she's like she's defending herself off with uh, with her feet. Yeah. 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 Um, just like that entire sequence is just so much fun. Um, one, because you get a lot of really interesting angles and everything, but then um, two, you just, you just keeps layering on and on and on of just some of the, uh, just some of the comedy that's just going to keep going. Yeah. Well, and also from a story perspective, the, the quick breaks into kind of the other universes where it's not that action is happening, mm-hmm. but Evelyn and Wayman are having discussions about their lives and you know kind of the differences from universe to universe yeah. as because Evelyn is you know being transported through this so her consciousness is there and she's realizing how different her life could be and is that 
better or not mm-hmm. and these kinds of things. It, it's just so well done and it hits really well mm-hmm. as a result. Yeah. So speaking of hitting very well, let's uh, let's talk some performance. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to take this one first. Sure. I gave it a 10. Okay. Bold. As not, I think not that was, bold. <laughs> I think it was bold. So <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis as Dear Day. I, Deirdre. Deirdre. I didn't realize it was her until Holly told me after we left the film. It took me a hot <laughs> minute to be like, I know I know who this is. And she's wearing, you know, she's actually kind of in some prosthetics. Like, prosthetics. like a fat suit-esque. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the the shifts that they do with all of them, but especially knowing that, you know, she probably commanded a decent budget. And mm-hmm. so they kind of have to make use of her in a sense. Yeah. And the fact that she was, you know, either willing or capable of meeting this. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis is pretty weird. She loves she loves those she kind loves, of loves films. the weird yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, I think a, another uh, name just because this one and it may just be I just don't see enough cinema. I don't see enough movies. Uh, so Stephanie Sue, yeah. So that's Joy. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I have seen her in is Shang Chi, and she is the friend that they have dinner with. At yeah. the start and the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, so you're telling me two weeks ago you were parking cars and now you're saving the universe? <laughs> and that's the only thing I've seen her in in mainstream. And then she's in this and she's great. Yeah. I I, I don't want to take everything from y'all, but I could sit here and gush about most names here. So, But I'm going to pass it off to Joel. All right. Well, wow, rude. He was looking at me. I know. I pointed at you <laughs> and the then fake I looked out. away. It's the fake out. <laughs> Watch for the fake out. I was also bold and I gave this a 10. <laughs> for performance I'm because shocked. this was amazing. Like the, the, we already touched on the fact that every actor has to portray multiple versions of the same character that have to be distinct in specific ways, but at the same time be recognizable as the same person. Right. You know, in, 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 in some core attribute and it was not only believable, but it, it came across recognizably. Every time, like every scene, there was zero ambiguity as to what version of which character each actor was portraying. Well, and if you weren't positive, they even did a really good job, uh, like with Wayman doing kind of the head snap. Mm-hmm. So, you mm-hmm. know, oh, he just like changed channels. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, I, I have nothing bad to say about the performance in this film at all. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, this is going to be awkward. Um <laughs> Because Uh-oh. I gave it a nine. Oh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that is still very high, no, no, and yet also too low. It's still very high, but <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I thought so okay, <laughs> I had it as a ten initially, and then as I was writing the review, I was like, you know, I don't think Stephanie Sue's performance was at a ten. Okay, um, I mm-hmm. thought that she could have been. I thought she could have been mm-hmm. more intimidating. Oh, but she like the your initial introduction well, no, to no, her as the, Jobu was terrifying. So the the initial scene with her as Jobu was scary like, and pure awesome. horror. Right um, towards the end of the film, it just it didn't really do much for me. There was a couple times where like towards the end, I was like, "Oh, she's back on." Okay, you know, like not like I don't know, not well. Again, th- like she still did a fantastic job. Right. I still gave it a nine. Like this is this is more of just it's a super nitpick. I mean, that's that's fair. I think ultimately it was she moved from being as they went from as being an antagonist to being more of a um uh, uh well it shifted from the 
the focus being on world the, the destroy universal, multi-universal yeah, existential yeah. threat to being the well we're really just having a fantastical surrounding trappings for our family drama yeah and mm-hmm. you know and maybe just whenever it scaled back a little bit um it just felt you know not as not as hard-hitting as whenever like right like michelle yo was the way that the way that she's initially presented mm-hmm. before you really realize that it's joy yeah um is is like you can't keep that up and make her a sympathetic character exactly right. like she has to be if she's the horror villain mm-hmm. that you sort of like you anticipate she's going to be and sort of seems like she is in the first couple of scenes that she appears then there's there's no redeeming that right there's, yeah there's no there's no having a heart to heart with that <laughs> yeah yeah uh but uh you know i i kind of hinted at it at the um uh in our spoiler free section but really i mean kwan as wayman is yeah he was oh yeah he, absolutely he is, incredible like like as much as this is a triumph for michelle yo mm-hmm. this this movie belongs to Quan because I know he was the heart and soul of the, of the piece, like both like the character was, but mm-hmm. then his portrayal of that character oh. was so convincing. Well, cause you, you need to have, you know, so you always need to have someone that can, that can deliver exposition. Yeah. And especially with these, you know, kind of big sci-fi kind of where set you just, pieces. You just don't know what's going yeah, on. You just don't know what's going on. And someone needs to explain it to Michelle um, or Evelyn, I guess mm-hmm. in this case. And, um, he does such a good job of being the the charmer whenever he's he's alpha, um, alpha Wayland, mm-hmm. um, or Wayman, sorry, um, and but then whenever he he switches right back to the meek, um, kind of uh, quiet one in the the beta verse, mm-hmm. I guess you know for lack of a better uh, explanation. He just uh, he just switches so well, and probably you know just my favorite scene is whenever you know he's eating the chapstick or whatever, and just dead stare mm-hmm. into the <laughs> and the guys you know he fights him for a little bit, and then he stops, and then he just grabs all the gravel out of the fish tank and puts it in the and, and the whole time you're like oh no oh no <laughs> this is he so just worse. he just dialed this up to eleven, <laughs> <laughs> and you know every like as he's doing that he's just like just death staring them, yeah. and it's just like. Yep, this is exactly what I signed up for. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it's it's not the the confident Quan mm-hmm. that really sells it. It's the meek and you know be kind and do goofy things. Yeah, put, put googly eyes on mm-hmm. random stuff. Well, in and the, the way the way that in it's just a like a a second and a half clip, mm-hmm. right? But like it's already been established that he likes to to treat inanimate objects as if they have feelings because that's just a way in which he expresses his optimism. Right. And kind of pushes his optimism outward. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the things that he does, he puts laundry in different rooms, even though it's inefficient because he says they feel better there. Right? <laughs> He's worried that it's getting <laughs> yeah. too, they're getting too crowded. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he puts little googly eyes on things because it's cute and it's adorable and it, it, it just drives his wife up the wall. But, and there's this like second and a half clip, where she looks over at him in the middle of like jumping between a bunch of realities and he's just finishing put putting two googly eyes on this this red chinese lantern um and he looks over at her realizes she sees what he's doing and he just kind of goes ooh and scampers <laughs> and away, away like hides it from her yeah <laughs> and it's just it's little touches like that yeah. that really bring the character to life and make it so charming mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because like you, whenever they're they're switching in between verses, you you get so much more character development than what you would get if it was just one singular just kind of a linear yeah. story. Yeah. yeah, just because you can you can see someone quotation marks out of character, but still within the realm of whatever their character's possibility right. is. Yeah. Well, you get you get these little vignettes mm-hmm. of who this person can be in all these different s- scenarios, because ultimately when you core it back down to the original character, they're still capable of being that person. Yeah. Right? And that's the kind of overarching feel of the story and the the reason why this Evelyn is the best is because she's so bad at everything. It means every other universe must have a good possibility for her to jump to. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is hilarious and also not relevant to performance because that belongs in plot. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but yeah, I just want to – just because he dinged on Stephanie Sue and I just – I don't don't appreciate it. Just want to throw down, <laughs> but I think the shit and the the ability to handle one being the absolute horror that she is on mm-hmm. her introduction, and then slide all the way down because ultimately she just she wants to be accepted. Yeah, right? of course. She she's trying to find her place with her mother, and this is the whole point of her reign of terror. Is basically she is trying to find the one version of her mother that can. Uh, connect Except to her, her yeah. by by becoming who she is essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the slide down the scale there, while maybe for the story it doesn't always hit right. I think the actual ability to do it throughout and yeah. kind of flip the performances is, is mm-hmm. pretty noteworthy. Okay, I'm sorry. sorry. I got. I just gave it a nine. <laughs> I I expected that to come from over here, not you. Like, wow. What in the world. I'm sorry. On that note, it's <laughs> on to the score, and I think Andrew. Okay, sure. Um, so the score of the score, uh, this is the music mm-hmm. and how how it was edited, the sound design and other things of the like. Uh, I give it a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the The music is honestly pretty fantastic. Uh, I going going through and listening to the entire soundtrack um, just in its own realm today without the context of the film was really weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But the, there's a couple tracks in there, especially towards the end that if I heard it um, just out of context without the film there, I would know it was from this film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of like during the climactic scene, there's, I I can't remember the track name, but um, kind of like whenever, Evelyn is figuring everything out and she's standing in front of a bench, essentially like the, the goon squad that she's trying to get to her, her daughter. Um, and there's just like this really like interesting choral kind of bits here and there, like every, you know, every couple seconds, um, that just like a really hits really hard. Um, and I would definitely recognize it basically anywhere, Hmm. but it's, it's kind of on the level of Dune where I'm like, I don't know if I would listen to it, outside of the movie Mm -hmm. because it's still just kind of weird but not in a bad way yeah yeah joel well i gave the score an eight okay um i thought that the the you know what you're referring to about it being really weird i mean it's it's definitely the compositions are very quirky yeah right and they're they don't come at you in a straight line so Mm -hmm. to speak like they're not uh, the the the, bah, predom- bah, 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 bah. Yeah, the predominant emotion in this scene needs yeah. to be adventure, yeah. right? So it's <laughs> it's not going to give you that. It's going to wind its way through whimsy and and weirdness, weirdness, and then you find out that the whole time it was giving you adventure, right? Like so, yeah. it's it's really well done and also supports the theme of the piece, which is just it's weird. 
Just the, <laughs> <laughs> um, but ultimately, I didn't come away from it with it making a, a lasting impression. Mm-hmm. So for me, that kind of caps it out at eight. Sure. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Steven? Uh, I gave it a nine. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think this was kind of a an indie art house decision in a lot of places because the music is actually very slow for a lot of the scenes. When you go back and listen to, you know, this is the fight with Deirdre yeah. music. It's oh, a fight. Cool. It's pretty slow music. Mm-hmm. It's very thoughtful. Well, it, it's, yes, it is it's thoughtful and kind of prodding. Um, but it is deliberate. It's a, it's a very deliberate music, yeah. And I think that that's an interesting choice and kind of a bold and somewhat risky choice. It works. Mm-hmm. It is the ultimate uh, – it works here. There, it's going to show up in a little bit on other issues. Uh, in terms of things that you take away from it, I think uh, the song This Is A Life, mm-hmm. I think that one stuck with me. I, I went back and listened to it earlier today. I was like, yeah, this is still what I thought it was. Also, yeah. the kind of the, the usage of uh, Claire de Lune. Mm-hmm. which is kind of just a classic, also free piano. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta find money saving somewhere. Uh, so not not a licensed song anymore. Uh, but the use of it in the movie was really well done just because it's it's just kind of a classical piece and they just kind of drop it on, yeah. on you in a weird way mm-hmm. because that's kind of the whole emphasis of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's – yeah, I, I – I agree with you, though. I think for most of the score, listening to it outside of the movie is a little weird. It was, it was weird <laughs> because I, I listened to the whole thing today just front to back. Um, and like there were just some tracks. I'm like, oh, OK, this is what we're doing right now, I guess. Yeah, no. It, <laughs> and it had a nice, the, nice little blending in there of some Chinese style music and themes mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, they were the, the one with the um, uh, where they're talking about the bagel. That one's really it's really pretty on. weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're talking about the bagel. It's a pretty weird scene. So it <laughs> fits. <laughs> like that's that's kind of the theme here. Yeah, it was weird, but that's uh, that's what the movie called for. So Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, plot. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Joel? You're gonna start with me? Yeah, I'm gonna start with you. Well, we're okay. gonna start low. Probably. I was I was harsh. Okay. Um, and I gave it a six. Oh gosh. Wow. What? So when you enter into, hey, this is this is sci-fi in contemporary world, or this is magic in contemporary world, right? You've got to lay down some ground rules, which they did, mm-hmm. and then you've got to stick with them, which they did not. Interesting. Um, there, there are a please n- explain. There are a number of significant issues. The first of which being that it is uh, established. That being able to tr- – the only thing verse jumping does for normal people is you can connect to the brain of another person in another universe. Right. Sure. Um, but they very explicitly carry things across two times, um, physical objects across. The first one is where in the world did the pair of headsets come for um, Michelle's character to wear the first time? I mean – I, I'm pretty sure that it's... Wayman produces them from the fanny pack, and that's really all I've got. Right. Uh, that's, but yeah. that that is that is native to this universe, not where the technology was developed or uh, manufactured or created. Well, now... It could be Caveat that. argument. We, we see, and Joy as Jobu demonstrates very emphatically that the more connected you are, the less it matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, she basically converts her outfits and the weapons she is fighting with free will. Right. So that's that's the that's for them too, not the people that are doing it technologically. Well, well again, well it could I, it could 
just be while Joy is at the point where she's just doing this at wholesale will. Yeah, just whenever, whatever, wherever, whenever. For them jumping, they can tweak some small things, but they're not to that point, right? Well, it's the or, same regardless, idea. Regardless, that is not the way that it is. It's not explicitly it explained. No. Well, okay, but see, it also could just be the fact that there could be headsets that exist. Um, like, okay, like it, who who created? Them? No, 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 no. no, no it's no. not headsets it, that it's exist. Just a specific, blue, a yeah, Bluetooth. It's just headset a Bluetooth headset that the that need. the technology well, it's not, can though, utilize. He has he has also a. Let's let's just be generous and say that it's a it's just app. the iPhone that he's got. It's a phone app, and he's got a phone app on there. Who coded that phone app in this universe to to interface with the Bluetooth headsets, which we're very generously saying are just standard Bluetooth headsets and don't have specialized hardware to scan look, brain signals? Look, okay, <laughs> they they had to buy them in bulk. That's why everyone had the same headset. <laughs> got to make savings somewhere. So, point is, fair it's, enough. It's broken yeah. from the outset. It happens again in the climax with um, uh, with the father uh, because he, without any tools, like let's say he's an absolute technological genius mm-hmm. and he, in the span of seconds, modifies his wheelchair to become an exoskeletal power arm, right? He had no tools to do that. So the only reliable, reasonable explanation is that he reached into his home universe and got some toys, but he's doing this through technology and we have Mm. been informed that that's not possible unless you did the breaking your mind thing. Now that version of wheelchair wheelchair bound, good Lord, I can't use words, wheelchair bound grandpa, that wheelchair is the one that has like the coffee maker and other technology attached to it. So it's conceivable that it's just part of the wheelchair. Like his that that universe wheelchair was already technologically upscaled because that's the one that sprints by at full speed earlier. Right. So for all we know, that was just like I don't think that was a reach across to do. I think that was just a feature of. But the then chair. that doesn't make any sense because that universe was specifically the one where um, she punches Deirdre in the face. That's that universe. I don't know. At that point, I don't know. But no, it's it's definitely that universe. Okay. That's that's the one where her afternoon went went all wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And then that one is most closely parallel with the one where they just went home after the meeting. Gotcha. Right? And the one where they went home is kind of the one where the story keeps happening, mm-hmm. where you have the conflict happening in the one where the afternoon was terrible. You have, you have the fight versus yeah. the drama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, like, even though that's Alpha Grandpa beaming into that grandpa's head there's no there's no reason that he should have a technologically upscaled scooter right like none of that none of that makes any sense whatsoever given the rules that they've laid out hey steven yeah i don't like joel anymore (laughs) (laughs) um (sighs) what else you got you you want more? No, sure, go ahead. Okay. Knock yourself out. <laughs> oh, okay. So let's let's talk about one of the reasons that this is an R-rated film. Um, and that is the butt plug scene. Uh-huh. Right? Sure. Yeah. So the idea is that you do something that you would never normally do, like really, really weird, in uh-huh. order to just like bulge the 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 probabilities in your universe in one direction and then when it tries to recontract it slingshots you off in another direction and you end up connected 
to someone Correct. in the destination. The, the one you desired. Right. right. And so that's really cool. I enjoy the idea. It's really nifty. And, and it allows you to just do really funny stuff. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense according to the rules that you've laid out. And so, and I also really enjoy the part where she's not getting guidance. The only thing she knows at this point is do weird stuff, get powers. Yeah. Right. And so she's just doing the weirdest <laughs> stuff she can think of. And Wayman even says, hey, don't do that. You have no idea where you'll end up. And and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And she just starts getting weird stuff and mm-hmm. ends up yeah. with the noodle fingers and can't do anything. And, you know, just all that kind of stuff. Really fun. Really enjoyed that sequence. It actually makes a lot of sense and is very tightly written. The problem comes in with the disconnection mm-hmm. and the means of disconnection. Mm-hmm. Because you've got a lot of a lot of everything with Wayman is he does the thing, the trigger that initiate that initiates his launch. He gets the connection and he maintains that connection until his concentration is broken, basically. Um, and but but the trigger is no longer relevant, right? right the trigger correct, is how yeah. he got there. I know where this going. And so yeah, with, I know where it's with going. the butt plug scene, the way that she disables her attackers is she pulls the butt plugs out and <laughs> she pulls the plug she pulls the plug and then all of a sudden they no longer have their powers okay. right well, but hold, well no no stop stop okay stop all right, you right you're there. gonna say that yes that would d- break your concentration if you ever had you just, you just stated that when wayman's concentration is broken i don't know about you joel but if you just rip something out of my butt my concentration would be broken pretty severely that's not the implication of the scene, though. The implication of the scene that is, is it while, concentration. while this object is in this location, they have these powers, right? The, like I, think, the, I think that I can safely say their concentrations were both broken, and therefore they can't connect I, anymore. I feel like their concentrations would be much more easily broken. Like, you could, you could, you could find a way to It would be that. easily broken, but, but it wouldn't be as cinemat- cinematography, right? But the implication right? of the scene is they're gaining power from these objects, whereas it was just the initial action. And so their importance in the, the plot of the fight scene is overstated. I love how that whole segment is just going to have Andrew laughing in the background. <laughs> I may have to cut my track from that. That was that was brutal. Oh my gosh. Um, I, so knew, yeah. I knew that was going to come up and yeah. I, I was ready for that one. <laughs> um, but like to flip this and say something really positive uh-huh. about, about the plot. I really uh-huh. like uh, how um, this is going to contract has really minor spoilers for Turning Red. But um, in contrast to Turning Red, the resolution for the family drama mm-hmm. side of this was very much couched in terms of mutual respect. And, and understanding. And understand, yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. like, like she starts off with the, well, I'm just going to give you whatever you want. And then she's like, wait, no, I bought you a phone. You're going to call me because I love you and I want to make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Like. And there's there's a there's a give and there's a take and mm. there's both of them recognizing and accepting each other. Um, and there's there's that element in Encanto and Turning Red had less of that. It was more just, a, well, the adult has now learned and they're going to do everything the kid's way. And <laughs> yeah. the difference after, between after a, a, uh, fight. A, a G Disney film and. Well, no, I'm saying Encanto did it, yeah, yeah. Did it this way as well. But um but anyway, I, I really appreciate when when it's couched in, in those terms because that's that's healthy terms, right? Yeah. Um, whereas it's 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 not a one-sided resolution. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Joel gave us something positive. I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna go. Knock yourself out. I gave plot a nine. Yep. Let's go. Fight me. All right. <laughs> I, I said my thing. We're gonna start this with first off, you have to maintain concentration to have the powers. And when someone removes a butt plug from you, <laughs> your concentration is broken. All right. Okay. That's that is universe like universally consistent. <laughs> period. <laughs> So my biggest nitpick on the plot is the movie can actually feel a little slow. Mm-hmm. And I think the music contributes to this in a large way and not it's not necessarily a good way because the music is so deliberate. It makes it – it's only a two-hour, 19-minute film. And there's definitely a point midway through it where I was like, yeah, I'd say like we are like, not in the third act yet. I was like, wow. Yeah, like 65%. Around like the the timeline on the film is is when it starts to drag just a tad, just a bit. Well, yeah. well, we got to basically the end of the film, and then it flashes up on the screen, part three, all at once, and I'm like, oh no, I thought the movie was over. How long is this? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> this is a four hour yeah, marathon. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's a bit of a knock on. It's somewhere within there with the pacing, where there's so so this is a both a positive and a negative for the plot, right? I love the fact that all the little things that come up, the the googly eyes, the the auditor awards, yeah. the uh, big nose lady, all these little factors that show up over time, they all pay off, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, big nose lady comes up to to have dog foo and sling her dog <laughs> so around. Weird. Which, <laughs> right? <That's> so funny. <laughs> it was it was both and also a little hard to watch because it's just a dog and she's just slinging it everywhere. Well, it was a stuffed animal. But I yeah. know, but you know what I mean, <laughs> right? But at the same time, she's like, "You're such a horrible person for shutting my dog in the refrigerator that I was beating to death on I you." Was, I was <laughs> wailing on my, you. My favorite part, though, is whenever you have these those kind of scenes, you have the actual dog like this, just on the ground, yeah. just like staring at the cameras, like, "Oh yeah, this is so much fun." And then like the like the next cut is there is clearly she's just like slinging out slinging around a stuffed animal yeah. yeah uh but like the the payoffs on these things the the bagel right so you start with deirdre uh deirdre deirdre i'm not gonna get her name right i give up you're really jamie lee curtis <laughs> you start with jamie lee curtis uh taking the sharpie and circling the thing on the receipt mm-hmm. which is the bagel yeah yep. and that circle shows up you know shows up on their foreheads mm-hmm. it shows up as uh joy's hairdo it shows up as the bagel yep uh those things the googly eyes all those little things that build up over time that they use to pay off i, I one big credit because they made them all matter mm-hmm. you know like you mentioned earlier the little scene where he's putting the googly eyes mm-hmm. on the paper lamp and she sees him and he you know runs away right uh or the googly eyes on the rock which was a massive payoff for me i was dying laughing because <laughs> The whole point of these rock scenes was that they were calm, tranquil, peaceful. And then as soon as Evelyn decides, you know what? No, you're my daughter and I'm going to fight to keep you in my life. And then it says, boom, googly eyes are on. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think because, they Because that was also a symbol of her acceptance of her own husband. Right. Like the bit where mm-hmm. she puts and, it on her forehead. And not, and not like the glamorous otherworld version of him, but mm-hmm. him himself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the essentially the worst versions of both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just – they made so many things work, barring, you know, Joel's comp- apparently worthy of four points that they weren't as internally, perfectly internally consistent, even though one of his points has already been debunked, <laughs> thoroughly <laughs> debunked. And we can, you know, we can make this a video cast. So we can test the theory about your concentration. Uh, 
Yeah, but we're trying to keep the rating. <laughs> we can blur. We have tasteful blurring. <laughs> I, but yeah, they just they made so many things pay off, and all throughout a framework of so. Uh, we're going to bring in Marvel, mm-hmm. right? Marvel has a multiverse. It's time for a huge CGI fight. Turning Red has a family conflict. It's time for a kaiju fight. Mm-hmm. This movie has a multiverse with people who have tremendous powers and they're just demonstrated as being capable of snatching incredible powers and making use of them. And the ultimate conflict is not a fight. And mm-hmm. a lot of the point is about the idea of not fighting and of acceptance and you know expressing love and how you express love to the various people and how you make them happy and how that affects you, right? And that's such a phenomenal play where, you know, to their credit, $25 million, they didn't have the budget to put Evelyn and Joy in the sky to punch each other. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That's good because that's, so happy. that's not what the movie needed and yeah. that pays off really well. So, Andrew, score? Um, so, I gave, I gave it a nine. Good man. Um, you took basically all of my points. Wrecked. Um, so, I'm going to literally – I'm just going to touch on – um, some of just the the mechanics that I just love mm-hmm. in general kind of thing. I love the idea of like the butterfly effect where you, you know. Small you, thing. You, small thing turns into a big thing mm-hmm. later on. And it. The um, hot dog fingers just beating the crap out of that <laughs> other monkey. The, I didn't even bring up the hot dog fingers for plot. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> They're very good with their feet. That was another thing that paid that's off. Not, that's not the thing. The, know, the thing I is know, the branching timeline went so far back that there's no way that these, which they're not human, we'll call them proto-human, would be like the same people at the same oh, time. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Like, but but the, that's, not the, that's not the point, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's another payoff of initially when she confronts Jamie Lee Curtis, uh-huh. <laughs> the, the hot dog finger world is useless to her. Yeah. And then at the end, it pays off for her because she actually learned something from it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I love the, uh, you know, kind of like what Joel said, I love the mechanics of how the the multiverse shifting yeah. actually play out and work. Because mm-hmm. like that first scene where where Alpha Grandpa is like, all right, everyone, find your jump points. So they immediately scatter across <laughs> the room just doing the weirdest <laughs> doing whatever they can. can. <laughs> the, I, I think probably my favorite, um, uh, my favorite, verse switch was the um the super pinkies oh yeah that that like it's one of those things where like the idea that there's just this one universe where evelyn only worked out her pinkies yeah. for years and years and years <laughs> under like a, the martial arts master i died in the theater like i was laughing so much like i oh my gosh like i mean, I, I really haven't cried laughing in a theater in, I mean, a very, very long time, probably mm. since I was a kid. Although there were some that were awkward. And I'm not even talking butt plugs here because I can't. I mean, just imagine chewing some chapstick. Now that, I can I can kind of do that waxy not now. <laughs> the the bit where she's like four paper cuts between each finger. Oh. One, that's so hard to watch because he's under so much pressure trying to do it. And he's just like, you can't, it doesn't work. You can't give yourself a paper cut when you mean to. It has to be on accident. <laughs> but he's just so concentrated on just ripping that piece yep. of paper through. Yeah. Oh, that was hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, and that's, that's what it's meant to do though. It's oh, meant no, no. to be that just, oh, oh, 
Oh, stop. But, but I'm, right, I'm happy it's, they... It's sorry. supposed to exemplify the fact that the, the initiation of these jumps are costly in, in an unexpected way. Yeah. Right. And I'm happy they moved away from those because even, again, the butt plug thing was actually just pure humor of trying to prevent him from getting it. <laughs> yeah. And their fight moves away and the other dude comes over the top full commit, you know. <laughs> just amazing. Well, um, the... Yeah, because it, it, it's definitely one of those one of those things where there is definitely a cost, and they even kind of talk about it as like, oh, well, you're lucky that you know you only have to say "I love you" to Deirdre instead of you know break your arm. Yeah, yeah, because then that is a completely lasting effect that's just going to exist mm-hmm. for her. But also, that one's hard to do because you have to mean it. Yeah, right, and she cannot commit to it until the point of no return basically mm-hmm. yeah. well you know then you see in the the hot dog universe that <laughs> they did find love at some point um <laughs> so that was the one she was edging towards in order to slingshot <laughs> the other direction but the hot dog universe is so far away it was all the way off the <laughs> just, I, I but I, I really do love the idea that there is a universe of possibilities for literally anything mm-hmm. um just in the idea of like yeah i mean if you trained under this martial artist for you know, 30 years, you have really strong pinkies that are super strong. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I liked it, too, where they have, like, this whole, oh, this is the universe where Evelyn didn't run away with Wayman. Yeah. And she becomes the uh, movie star. And mm-hmm. it's just Michelle Yeoh playing herself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, lo- I loved those those scenes, too, because you really get to see even more um, kind of vignettes of just general, you know, like how her her home life was with mm-hmm. her with her father mm-hmm. and everything. And you, you really just get so much more emotional weight, even just out of, you know, three seconds of a jump cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also the the interaction between her and that universe is Wayman, mm-hmm. where she, you know, kind of breaks and kind of gives away what their life would have been like because she knows because she's Evelyn from a different universe. Yeah. And he kind of considers it and then comes back to her with that line of, you know, even if it meant that all we'd be doing is taxes and laundry together, I still think I would have liked to have experienced that life. And she's mm-hmm. just like, oh. Yeah, yeah just, I just, just ripped my heart just out, man. It hit so hard, <laughs> yeah. So on that note, speaking of hitting hard, you done? You got anything else? Yeah, no, I mean, you pretty much took all my major points. Uh, that's, so. why, that's how I live to do. Joel, you want to <laughs> try and bash something and get proven wrong? No, I'm, I'm oh, that's fine. what I thought. <laughs> All right, he, he so, got schooled so hard. All right, we're, we're moving out of objective truths <laughs> about butt plugs and into <laughs> subjective truths about your level of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Andrew, you want to go first? Yeah, I gave it a 10. Yeah, shocker. Yeah, go figure. Give me uh, some. I mean, it, I just, I, I mean, I can't gush enough about how much fun and much of a payoff this film has. Mm hmm. Where, you know, at, at this point in the review, you've probably already seen the movie. You probably have liked it as most everyone else um, that has seen it has. It's got a pretty high rating on you know, mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes and those. Yeah. And and this is definitely one of those films where, one, I want to go see it again. And two, I was whenever I saw the trailer for it, I was so excited because it was Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. And then um, seeing that it, it looked like a relatively grounded sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, was also really exciting. And then, you know... Th- Three, you have, you know, oh, hey, I actually knew the guy that directed this. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, so it it was just kind of like kept sandwiching, sandwiching and layering on top of it. And I was like, this is just fantastic. And when I finally got to go see it, it was exactly what I expected, but more on top of it. Because I was like, oh, you know, I'll I'll go and enjoy it just because it's Michelle Yeoh and it's a martial arts film. Mm -hmm. That'll be fun. And 
I got so much more out of it than what I was expecting. So, you know, I mean, definitely a 10 for me. Like I, I want to go see it again. I'm probably going to go see it again soon. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. Joel. Uh, well, I was the odd man out and I gave it only a nine. Terrible. How dare you? <laughs> Worst. <laughs> two words. Hot dog fingers. That's <laughs> three words. That, hot, hot dog, dog is, is one, one word. word. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, so yeah. So like this, it was, uh, I'll sum it up this way. When my wife and I walked out of the theater, she turns to me and she says, that was the weirdest movie I have ever seen in my entire life. And I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew Della would be a huge oh, fan yeah. of that movie. Yeah. That, that very much so is in line with with her humor. Yeah. 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 Steven. So, so you're done on that one? That's it? I, it was the All weirdest right. movie I've ever seen and I loved it. All right. Well. <laughs> Other than the hot dog fingers. <laughs> I could do without that. <laughs> I gave it a 10. Mm-hmm. Shocker. I know we are we already knew how this average is going to work out. And I, I, I got I to gotta come down. I got to drop it from the top rope here. Because I've been slacking on my quota, and we got to make a Star Wars reference. <laughs> Ryan Johnson, you want to subvert expectations? Take some notes, buddy. We got a chosen one, and you know why she's the chosen one? Because she's so bad at everything. It means she has all the possibilities she could tap into when she needs to. Yep. <laughs> See, the only reason why she's good is because she's been so crappy throughout life. Which I, I think is just such a fascinatingly good choice. To basically make her the worst, the worst version of herself, yeah, that she could possibly be, because that means that she is now the actually the best version because she has all the possibilities. Well, she's the she's the blankest template. Yeah, yeah. I it just such a good combination of plots of the the universe ending threat. We're going to jump universes and here's our techno babble excuse. I'm wearing a headband with colored blinking lights on it, riding in a van through middle of nowhere desert because (laughs) reasons into the tight, small family drama of, well, how do you solve all the problems in the universe? Well, you, you fix the problems with the people who are closest to you. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, that ultimately that's the solution. Uh, that, that hits so well, um, just shockingly well because I again I, I didn't totally know what to expect yeah and you know I, I shame on you Andrew shame 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 where were the Rakuna Tui references <laughs> am I the only one that made a reference to it shame uh, I mean I have made Rakuna Tui references for the last couple episodes that we've recorded yes um, and you guys it just went right over your heads because yep. you didn't know didn't know and now you know Rakuna Tui was hilarious. I love just how incredibly low budget the puppet was. Yes. Just emphatically, we didn't try. But they 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 sold out for it. Oh, nonetheless. Yeah. Well, I just I love just, you know, because she's in her her hibachi universe and <laughs> she just looks back and this guy has like a really tall hat. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly where this is going. <laughs> and well he you can see the tail sticking out from under it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or or like the the sign twirling universe where that's what she became. She just gets the uh, the riot shield yeah. uses that to fight with the chair. Yeah, uh, it just—it uh, was really—it's a lot of absurdist humor, mm-hmm. and you—you you got to be prepared for a little bit of gross out raunchiness mm-hmm. here and there. I mean, well, the only know, gross out part is just the hot dog fingers. Like even like the I mean, butt- uh, I mean the 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 dildo. Billy yeah, stick. Joy, Joy beats the living daylights out of a security guard with two dildos. I don't know. I, little, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, so it's it all funny. It's all funny, 
it's just a very particular flavor of humor, if yeah. you will. <laughs> there, there are definitely some people that that's just going to totally miss. Okay. I mean, I'm not one of them. Yeah. I'm still enough of a child that I was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you beat him up. She beat him up with dildos. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. But but that is, you know, that is. That's a, totally fair. A thing for someone. It's not for me because, you know, I gave it a 10. That's what we look at. Joel. Joel. Stare, Joel. I mean, you know, I said hot dog fingers and I feel like that's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> now, the hot dog fingers were fine. The ketchup and the mustard was where it got. Just, but I think on that note, we're going to end it on hot dog fingers with ketchup and mustard. <laughs> that, is, that sums up the movie. That is all the time we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.